thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to Wellness Women Radio with women's health experts, Dr. Ashley Bond, the pregnancy and birthing guru, and the queen of hormone imbalances, the period whisperer herself, Dr. Andrea Huddleston. They're raising the bar for women's health by bringing you the most up-to-date health and wellness information to live your best life. Now, onto the show. This episode of Wellness Women Radio is very proudly brought to you by Dinner Twist. Dr. Ashley and I want to let you in on a little secret of how we maintain our healthy whole foods lifestyle with very little time. And one of those ways is actually with Dinner Twist. So they plan, they shop, they deliver everything to our door to take all of the guesswork out of having really healthy meals for dinner each night. Um, I love Dinner Twist because they are a locally family-owned business here in Perth in Western Australia, and all of their produce is locally sourced and seasonal. So they are really invested in all of their suppliers as well, which is absolutely amazing. Everything is so fresh. Uh, Ashley and I both get the Wholesome Box, which is naturally gluten and dairy-free as well, and is very consistent with a paleo-type lifestyle as well. Uh, so it's, you know, completely consistent with, you know, the way that we want to eat and want to feed our loved ones too. This is also how I trick Dean into thinking that I can actually cook. So seriously, if I can do it, everybody can trust me. And their recipes are so delicious. They also have other options apart from the wholesome box. So they have a family box for bigger size families an express box. If you're really short on time, uh, as well as a vegan box too. Now, we would love to give you the opportunity for you to actually try Dinner Twist and realize how healthy, how delicious and how fresh it is, but also how much easier this is going to make life as well. So we have a special promo code for you, and that is going to give you $35 off your first box. And that is WWR for Wellness Women Radio. Um, So we would love you to uh, try for yourself. Don't take my word for it, but let me know what you think. Without further ado, ladies, onto the show. Hey there, welcome back to Wellness Women Radio. Thank you for joining us again. I'm Dr. Andrea Huddleston. Uh, my delightful, esteemed co-host, Dr. Ashley Bond, is going to join us in a moment. Um, on this episode of the podcast, we're actually doing a really deep dive into medicinal cannabis. And this is a topic we've been wanting to cover for a really long time, but we wanted to make sure that we had the right person to explore this with. And so our very special guest on the show today is Dr. Ben Jansen. He is one of the absolute leading Australian doctors, prescribers, lecturers, educators, and advocates of medicinal cannabis. So we are so lucky to have him on the show today. Um, Dr. Ben Jansen has been a medical doctor for over 15 years. He also has three medical colo fellowships um, and he has his primary background in general practice. On this episode today, we cover a lot about the history of cannabis and the taboos surrounding it nowadays. We really go into its medicinal uses, um, particularly for women's health and even in the context of things like endometriosis. Um, We're going to go into the difference between CBD versus THC and its interactions in the body. Um, And we're going to sort of explore that in a context that's really important for what you need to know and what you need to understand. Um, and generally, we're, we're going to just take a really deep dive into all things cannabis and the cannabinoid system. This is a really fascinating podcast episode. Like for me, I learned 
a boatload about something that I, I thought that I had a fairly good understanding of. Um, and ladies, Dr. Ben is such um, an incredible wealth of knowledge um, for this. So I'm super excited for you to hear this. Before we get into like the real the, the show today and the real crux of what we're going to go into, I just want to let you know that this episode is not an inducement to use medicinal cannabis. So medical cannabis doesn't work for everybody. It may not work for you. How the cannabis itself actually affects a person depends on many things, including their size, weight, age, health, dosage, and tolerance, and individual results will definitely vary. Some people may experience side effects when taking cannabinoid medication. And the information provided by Dr. Ben Jensen and the CDA clinics is for education and informational purposes only. So obviously for medical advice, please make sure that you speak and check with your doctor um, and certainly request a referral first. So that's just a little a very important disclaimer um, before we get into the crux of the show. Um, but ladies, let me hand over to, um, you know, Dr. Ashley Bond, Dr. Ben Jensen, and of course myself as we go into a deep dive about cannabis and the cannabinoid system. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio. Thank you for joining us. Um, your Kiwi accent is making me so nostalgic <laughs> um, from yeah. my uh, my years spent in New Zealand. Um, and I think Kiwis are just the best people ever. So I'm looking forward to this chat today. Um, ben, you've done some pretty amazing things. And for me, I really know nothing about cannabis except for, you know, the experimental stuff that I did in my teenage years. And um, then all of a sudden, over the last few years, the popularity of it in obviously the, the medical space seems like it is the panache for everything. Um, and But I don't think anyone really understands it very well because there's all these terms about CBD and THC and other weird words that Ash will throw out you like terpines which I hadn't even heard of before <laughs> and you know we we really pride ourselves as being up to date with the most um, relevant health information um, that's going around but can you just give us a bit of an introduction as to how you got into this space um, and then we'll go through maybe some of the differences between CBD versus THC and everything else along the way. Yeah, no problems at all. Well, um, thank you very much for having me, first of all. Um, and you're right, this is a, a, a political subject, um, but most importantly, it is a medical subject for us and our patients. Um, now, this all started a long time ago when um, cannabis was used as a medicine for many millennia. Um, and then in the last 150 years was refined by um, Sir William um, Hennessy who then um, came up with tinctures which they could then be used uh, in a medical form. And that was around the turn of the century, nine, nine, uh, 1900s. Um, and it was the most prescribed medicine by doctors across the world, across the world, before it was eventually outlawed. Uh, and the reason for its being outlawed is a little bit spurious. And I, I do like the history there when you talk about that, um, because it's quite um, political, it's interesting. Um, and, and the fact was that the hemp plant where they were deriving their uh, THC, CBD, cannabinoid medicines from um, was it also a very good fibre. And unfortunately, being a natural fibre, it wasn't patentable. And the big companies out there that had um, uh, developed um, rayon and other uh, types of synthetic fibres um, uh, wanted to push hemp to the side. So um, they politicized it. They called it um, a demon drug. They um, brought out propaganda that it, it sent people crazy. Um, uh, a, a lot of misinformation. And that persisted for 
80 years, and right back at the very beginning there when it was going to be outlawed, um, the American Doctors Association actually got together and said to the, the politicians, don't outlaw it. This is the wrong thing to do. We use this medicine. It's really quite a, a safe medicine when we compare it to other medicines. Don't outlaw it. And of course, that didn't work, and it was outlawed. And so 80 years later, after Nixon, Reagan, everyone kept demonizing it, um, and eventually the cycle of knowledge came around again. And um, all of a sudden, you start to see these cases of children where their epilepsy is turning around, intractable epilepsy, or people with uh, intractable neuropathic pain who are then um, having positive responses. And through the 70s and 80s, it started to be investigated more, and more of these cases started to come to the forefront. Um, and then probably the real tipping point was um, when they started to use it more and more medicinally in North America. And um, a, a couple of, well, I think it was about five growers, um, and you might need to uh, recheck my history book there, um, were um, prosecuted by uh, the um, Commonwealth government in Canada. Um, and they turned around and took it all the way to, to the top, to the Supreme Court there. Um, and um, they were providing this cannabis medicine as a medicine, as a human right to health. And the Commonwealth government lost. They lost, and they had to pay reparations, and they had to change the laws. And this is in, within the Commonwealth state. Now, the human right determination to health, there's an there's a, there's a internal um, uh, self-definition of health that you're allowed to have. Um, and these people are simply getting a plant-based medicine and using it for their own health. So where is the harm, and what right does that government have to um, uh, inhibit them getting that. So they had to change the laws. They had to change the laws in Canada to make it medicinally accessible. And then beyond that, they actually pushed on towards recreational, um, uh, which is its own separate um, kettle of fish. We, we don't need to necessarily go down unless we have time. Um, but they had to change their laws around it, and they had to try and work it out. And, of course, the flow and effect from having that ruling within a Commonwealth country is that it then flows on to other Commonwealth countries as well and around the world um, by law. So in Australia, um, 2016 was the date um, uh, when the, the descheduling changed. So um, the schedule of, of poisons or medicines that we have in Australia goes from um, two through to nine, um, and uh, two is uh, across the counter, three is pharmacist only, four is prescription only, uh, eight is controlled medicines such as morphine, um, uh, certain types of cannabinoid medicine, and illicit is nine. So it went from being nine to being four, so prescription only if it was a CBD product, or an eight, a controlled drug, if it was any of the other cannabinoids that are out there. Um, and that's where we kicked into it for, from us for, from, for what we do here at, at CDA Health. So uh, we're a, a, a family-based business. We um, have a number of doctors in our, um, in our family, and we started around a kitchen table, essentially. Um, we, we saw the evidence overseas. We thought this is, um, this is a, finally a, a change towards the better, um, and we want to be a part of this. So if it's been, what are we now, 2021, it's been... It's been five years of, of a lot of uh, time and effort and debate um, uh, with certain um, regulatory agencies about where this should sit and how it should be regulated. 
And, and that pretty much brings us up to speed today. And I'll quickly throw my quick disclaimer at the end. This is not inducement to use this for cannabis. If you think medicinal cannabis may be right for you, please do check with your doctor. Please see the TGA website for further details. Uh, thanks for that, Ben. And I think the politics that you've been talking about is certainly reflected in what we see in practice as well, because, um, you know, we've certainly seen patients who have tried um, or have seen the benefits of CBD um, or have read about them, for example, but have had no luck whatsoever having anyone sort of support them in, in their endeavours to have it prescribed to them. Um, and I'm wondering if that's just because of a bit of a um, an access issue for doctors or their training or something like that in Australia. Um, ben, can you kind of speak to that a little bit as to why it's not um, prescribed more widely yet? The number one reason why um, there's there hasn't been a, a well, there, I think there's, there's probably two arguments. There's a lot of people that are moving across to it currently. Um, but uh, the the barriers to access that you mentioned was actually um, brought up by the Senate um, Committee on Access to Medicinal Cannabis um, that was uh, beginning of last year. And the Senate was pretty scathing actually of um, uh, the TGA and, and the state uh, governments and, and territory governments on on their rollout of medicinal cannabis and the, the huge barriers that have been there. I think these days it's, it's a bit better, um, but there's still a way to go. Um, so if we think about medicines in Australia and the descheduling, as soon as it was descheduled, then great. We can now prescribe cannabinoid medicine 2016, but how do we do it? Um, and at that point in time, all the states decided that the territories, they decided they want to put extra legislation on top to control the rollout. And so um, in Queensland, where we are here, they rolled out the medicinal cannabis law, which, um, according to many people, um, including some people which I won't mention within the government, um, was really an inhibitor of, of um, helping people access medicinal cannabis. That's actually been repealed now. And so if we think about cannabis as a medicine now, as long as it's grown in a lawful way and it's prescribed in a lawful way, it's just another medicine. It's really uh, interesting, not- Ben, that you mentioned that because I think a lot of people have this misconception that it's you know a slippery slope to decriminalising and legalising marijuana. And uh, as we've seen in other countries, Australian politicians like to dig their heels in and say we're not going to turn into you know another country of most people's you know thoughts. I think you know there's obviously a lot of challenge. How do doctors find um, the challenges that come up against the ideas of knowing the most effective or safe dosing? Because even I was having a little look to see how that was you know acquired. And I think that's probably a big a big challenge, isn't it, for you as a, a doctor to understand, uh, well, obviously with your experience, but to educate other doctors as to what is appropriate safe dosing for what conditions and things like that. Is that something that comes up on the legal front to sort of say this is why we're not making it so e- easily accessible? I'd say no. I'd say um, if you don't know how to titrate a medicine, you don't know how to be a doctor. And I'd say I'd say to you, yourself there, what's what's the dose of morphine you give someone? Yeah, touche. Exactly. Exactly. You start with a small amount and you build up to find the effect or the side effect. Every single medicine should be a titration. It should not be a standard dose necessarily, unless it really, really needs to be. And that's yeah. You can, yeah, you that's, can always give you can always give more medicine. It's really hard to take medicine out of people. I always say that to, to my doctors. So we we always the mantra with medicinal cannabis it should be with all all medicines is start low, go slow. And, that yeah. is, and we'll give you a starting point that's easy. I'll give you a starting point right now. Our, our starting point for oral THC is one milligram. Our starting point for oral CBD is 10, just to keep it simple. If it was going to be an inhaled version, start with one inhalation and wait 
forfeit. Um, ben, can we just backtrack a little bit? Can you explain the difference, please, between CBD and THC? Yep. Um, so there are a number of different cannabinoid molecules within the cannabis plant. And there's actually a number of different cannabis types of cannabis plant. And if you look at different strains out there, there's all sorts of funny names, um, Gorilla Glue, Northern Lights, straightforward hemp, but there's different varieties of hemp. Um, and the cannabis plant will be different as well from these little tiny um, plants through these great big um, three-meter different uh, plants. But essentially, it's a plant. It has a flower bud. And the molecules that we're after are concentrated within the flower bud. You can extract it from the leaves as well. Um, the two main cannabinoids that we prescribe is CBD, cannabidiol, and THC, tetrahydrocannabinol. CBD doesn't make a person feel sleepy, stoned, or high. It is more of an anti-inflammatory. It is a bit of an anti-anxiety um, uh, molecule. And we, and we use it for inflammatory pain. We use it for um, anxiety. It does work for some people with depression. Um, versus your THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, that's the one which has been bred up in the recreational plants because that will bind onto your nerves and downregulate your nerves. So THC can make you feel sleepy, stoned, or high if you have too much. That's helpful if you want to go to sleep, not so helpful if you want to go about your daily business. So when we prescribe that, it's as we were saying before, start low, go slow. Bring it up like you would if you were with, say, a codeine or an endone or a morphine or some other um, uh, sedative type drug and try and find that balance between getting a, uh, a pain relief versus any potential side effect. And of course, the THC, the other main thing that we worry about is it coming up in tests for driving and work. And it does linger around inside fatty tissues and is slowly excreted. And there is no, no lower limit for driving across Australia, although in New South Wales, it is a defendable position at present. Um, and there is a big push across the board um, for there to be a, at least a legal lower limit in a blood sample. Because if you're going to go down to the health food shop and have some hemp chips or hemp flour, technically it's got a small amount of THC in it. And if that was to be found inside your body, will you be breaking the law? And I've asked the Attorney General of uh, Queensland that point and they did not answer, answer me. Mm, interesting. Okay. Um, and so you explained that uh, you would use, say, the CBD oil for certain things and then THE for other things. Can you explain, like, how does it actually work in the body? Yeah. So the CBD, the, the, the cannabidiol that doesn't make people feel sleepy, stoned or high, that works m mostly, in, in my opinion, it's not entirely understood yet, by blocking the breakdown of your naturally occurring endocannabinoids. What are endocannabinoids? They are those molecules inside your body that help with homeostasis. And what is homeostasis? It's bringing the body back to a healthy, natural normal. Um, the endocannabinoids help with uh, memory, with pain, with sleep, with appetite. So if we're blocking the breakdown of these molecules, which um, are produced in response generally to stress, um, then we're actually turning up what those molecules are doing that you are producing in your body. So if you're endocannabinoid deficient, theoretically providing a CBD would then boost up your endocannabinoid levels. And the one condition where we think that that would be a, a major factor is, is fibromyalgia. Um, and fibromyalgia is, of course, caused by no one knows yet. Um, 
but it was it was coined in the 1990s. Um, if we look at the THC molecule, that's the one that can make you sleepy, stoned, or high. It does block the breakdown of endocannabinoids a bit, but the main effect from that is actually binding onto nerves on the CB1 receptor. And it mimics a certain endocannabinoid, AEA, anandamide, which is also known as the bliss molecule, which, um, uh, and 2AG, sorry, as well, um, which uh, bind onto the CBB1 receptor and downregulate nerves. So if there's a, a neuro, neuronal synapse there in your brain and it's firing from top to bottom um, with a lot of signals and the downstream nerve is getting stressed, it'll send back um, some endocannabinoids to say, I'm stressed, please stop sending so much signal. So it downregulates. So it mimics that. Um, so it's helpful if you've got a nerve-type pain, a migraine, a neuropathic pain, complex post-surgical pain when you think you're going to get some some nerve type issues there that's when we think about using thc and the other main one would be insomnia just getting the right dose at night to be relaxed to go to sleep mm, okay uh, and Ben, a lot of what we see in practice is women with all sorts of different um, hormonal issues, but the most um, most complicated of those, in my opinion, is endometriosis. And the women who have endo suffer like I've never seen anyone suffer before um, in my life. And like, is there research for um, the use of CBD or THC in endometriosis type pain? Yeah, so um, we do, I, myself actually, we do see a lot of uh, endometriosis patients come through. And you know, as you say there, it is, it, there's a spectrum from you know, mild through to really quite debilitating and cannot get out of the house. Um, and commonly, you, poor patients are then escalated along the, the different drugs that we have available through um, the ARTG, registered drugs, and they end up on opiates. Um, which have their own side effects, or even even um, more heavier uh, drugs. Um, so, if a patient comes to see us, <clears throat> excuse me, with endometriosis, the first thing that we would look at would be a CBD, a cannabidiol, as an anti-inflammatory, because you know endometriosis there is inf inflammation, pelvic inflammation, pel pelvic um, venous engorgement. You know, um, so a CBD gradually increased to try and find if out if that's going to work for um, a, a patient with endo. If that doesn't work, you, we may then move them on to a THC medication or add that on as well. Um, and that's just to damp dampen down the nerve type pain that is associated with the endometriosis. Now, I do want to throw a little bit of expert level information in there for you and your listeners, because there's not just one type of CBD out there. There's, in our opinion, three different types. There's isolate CBD, so that's just where you've isolated the CBD crystal and then it's formulated usually in an oil with um, uh, MCT, medium-chain triglyceride oils. The second type of CBD is a broad-spectrum CBD, and then that means it's got more than one cannabinoid in it, so usually CBD plus CBG, cannabigerol, or CBDV, cannabidiovirin, um, which are anti-inflammatory and also synergistic cannabinoids that work as an entourage effect on the cannabinoid receptors and the non-cannabinoid receptors. And so that would be your broad, which may work a bit better in your um, patients with endometriosis. And the third type is called a full-spectrum CBD. 
And that's where there's also additionally some THC, usually a small amount, just to give a little bit of nerve dampening pain and entourage effect without necessarily making people feel sleepy, stoned or high. For driving, you would only use the isolate or the broad. If you're then driving as well, the full spectrum could potentially come up in the test and obviously the THC is there and we can't advise driving on THC. That's excellent information, Ben. It's uh, certainly something to, I guess, understand those definitions because I recall travelling in Oregon uh, over the state some years ago and having a uh, an infected uh, cut on my arm. And it's not a testimonial, but just more an indication. I had no idea what was going on. And I thought, oh, my gosh, we don't have, like, insurances over here to walk into our doctors and try and deal with the American medical system. And I walked into uh, one of the shops that's obviously very abundant through California and through Oregon and uh, some of the West Coast states there. And then guy over the counter is like yeah just choose this it's, it's awesome it's amazing it'll get rid of that infection in like two days i was like okay all right <laughs> we'll give it a go and um true to his word i was fascinated to see the responsiveness of the tissue healing um to <laughs> whatever he gave me now to this day i still don't know exactly what was in it but uh, i know that it was cbd i don't know if it was full full spectrum it didn't define it for me but i because we were traveling and i wasn't really too worried um it you know made no impact on me at that point in time but since then i have been curious because there was nothing i have ever used that had such an immediate impact on tissue healing i was really found it quite curious and i think that's probably where you know our conversation with you today we want to ask about some of the ways people in australia can access um, some of the benefits that you can get from cbd oils or from medicinal cannabis that um, obviously you have access to but i would suggest most of us don't without feeling like we're doing something illegal <laughs> Yeah, um, there's, there's still uh, that 80 years of stigma that still permeates some people in society, um, and we still do bump into it. Um, uh, there was a study done in, uh, by a, uh, a member of the Ministry of Health in New Zealand, um, I think it was probably two years ago, looking at, at GP attitudes to medicinal cannabis. Um, and unfortunately, one of the findings of the study was, even if there was grade A evidence, and it was funded by the government, so this is the top evidence you could ever get. It definitely works, and it's funded by the government. There were still 17% of doctors who said they wouldn't prescribe, which is, um, I, I think that's not being a doctor. If you've got grade A evidence and you're going to let your own personal bias or stigma then impact on your patients, I think you need to step back and have a look at, at what your opinions really are. Because, yeah, you, uh, treat the patient, not the guideline at, in all situations. Yeah, we, we wholeheartedly agree with that as well. Um, ben, what is the role for uh, CBD in cancer treatment? Um, the, the main uh, mainstay of cancer treatment is for symptom control. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no magic um, study out there yet that proves that um, uh, CBD or THC is definitively good for slowing down or in any way curing cancer. I mean, we need to be very clear on that yet. Because that is a as a large study on a specific product, um, and it will be narrow narrowly defined on on that particular cancer. Mm-hmm. But there is some um, there is some anecdotal evidence out there. Certainly, I've seen some very miraculous patients, but that's not um, uh, the advice that we need to give patients. Because you know we need to look overall and 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 you know be realistic about things. Um, and I would only ever use um, a, a cannabinoid as an as an add-on to standard um, offerings of, of uh, anti-cancer treatment. Um, 
Uh, that being said, there are a number of studies out there, uh, current and, pre and, and past, uh, that are looking at, at CBD and THC for their effectiveness on, on different types of cancer. Um, the most common dosing regime, and that's what we, we will use if, if a patient says, look, I, I would like to use it to try and uh, affect the cancer in a positive way. The most common um, dosing schedule is 50 milligrams of CBD twice a day with THC at night between 5 and 20 milligrams and additional THC for any uh, pain or spasmodic symptoms. Um, but for the most part, we, we're prescribing specifically for cancer sim symptoms. Um, okay. I don't think I actually answered your question before of how you uh, how to access um, your medicinal cannabis. Well, you, you either turn up to your doctor who um, knows how to do it, and uh, if your doctor doesn't, please come through to our website, canview.com.au, for the free education on, on there. Um, it goes for the prescriber course, costs your, your doctor nothing. Um, otherwise, there's clinics like ours here at CDA Clinics, um, Cannabis Doctors Australia, and, and that's what we do day in, day out, is, is talk to people um, and help them and their doctors um, um, with their, their cannabinoid treatment. Um, and of course, as we said before, medicinal cannabis isn't for everyone, so we do have to look at everyone on, a, on an individual, individual basis. Um, ben, I, uh, I read some information about um, how CBD interacts with some hormones and in particular insulin and how it sort of decreases um, insulin production and then um, has like quite an interesting effect on how our system uptakes glucose as well. Um, is that just a rumour or can you speak to that a little bit? That's still th theoretical as far okay. as I'm aware. I don't think they have specifically gone and, and, and proven that point, but um on that point, I, I actually had one patient come to me um, who couldn't take any of the diabetic medications at all, was allergic to everything. And, and in fact, when they had an insulin injection, was actually reacting to that, um, which was pretty odd, um, but wanted to try some CBD. And I said, I don't think this is going to work. Um, and we're going to have to ask, uh, get our approval from the government to give this a go. So we, we got a paper. We um, took it through to the TGA and requested it. And there was a bit of a challenge there. And we said, OK, well. But, you know, we're weighing this up here. We can't really give them anything else. We've got diabetes, you know, CBD as an option. Let's give it a go. Um, and we have to be scientific about it. So we'll do a, a nice go-slow dosing regime. And, of course, we'll do some blood tests to see what's going to happen. And lo and behold, he dropped his HbA1c by 1% on CBD. Um, and, wow. it, it, yeah, I didn't, didn't think it was going to necessarily work like that. But for specifically for him, it, it did. Um, and yeah, the, the theory is there, you know, it does impact on the insulin production, how cells actually, metabolism, the metabolism kicks in and, you know, move towards a more homeostatic um, a situation. But also that does decrease um, uh, appetite slightly, not a huge amount. Uh, and the CBD does counteract the THC. Um, uh, so if we give a, a, a THC medication just by itself, um, you can feel pretty sedated or, or um, stoned. But if you give a THC with a bit of CBD, it mitigates it. They fight for that receptor. So um, in our cannabis-naive patients, we certainly will give a blend. In our elderly patients, we'll give a blend or a higher CBD dose, um, or if anyone's getting side effects. Um, and you can actually go on YouTube, and there is a reporter um, who uh, is, I think she's from the BBC, um, and they inject her with THC, an in injectable form, which is 
pretty hard to make. Um, and then also injected with THC and CBD. And she has the THC and she doesn't like it at all, feels a bit grimy, stoned. But then she has the injectable version with both the THC and CBD. And then she's giggling and happy and, oh, this is quite a pleasant experience. So, um, at, and in nature, when, you know, the plant was being, uh, you know, for lack of a, a better definition made by God, um, uh, both the cannabinoids were in there. But over time with the recreational um, cultivars being pushed through by the recreational market, the THC was bred up and up and up. But I, I think for most people, a blend is the way to go. Sorry, Ash, I was just letting you uh, letting you jump in there. Um, okay. Uh, so, Ben, tell me, are there any risks or contraindications to using CBD? Number one would be an allergy. Number one um, adverse effect and contraindication would be an, an allergy to the carrier oil. Or, um, and most of the what carrier is the oils, carrier oil normally? Most, most of them are MCT, medium-chain triglyceride, usually yeah. from um, um, either coconut-derived, is, is the more mm, uh, sustainable um, one. Uh, there's also different types of oil, rapeseed oil that have been used, but mostly people are using coconut MCT. Right. Um, and does it interfere with the, because um, I was just looking at some of the um, medications, for example, that it can interfere with, and because of its impact on that cytochrome P450 through that liver metabolism, would it interfere with the action of oral contraceptive pills, just out of curiosity? I haven't read anywhere that it has, okay. and I don't, I don't, don't know of any drug specifically that it would interact on a major scale, okay, uh, like that. There's, there's, um, the, the, con the drugs of concern for us, um, with regard to prescribing cannabinoids and interaction, uh, is generally antipsychotics, antiepileptics, um, clobazam, quetiapine, um. But the CBD, its inhibition on the P450 system is, is far below what a grapefruit would do. So, okay. um, yeah, we don't see a lot of, of issues when we are prescribing. Even with those medications, we'll still monitor for those when we're doing those medications. But there, all the other medications we haven't seen, um, and it's not reported out there, any major issues with CBD. Yeah, great. Um, before we were recording, Ash and I were talking about something called terpenes. Uh, yes. Ash, can you what what were you referring to with that? Oh, just interested to see in uh, a lot of health circles at the moment. There's this big push and you know promotion of terpenes, the new you know fancy wonder drugs. Um, obviously, for me, terpenes have been known in terms of just aromatics, the, the, the fragrances of so many plants. But uh, why suddenly the push? Is this just because people can't access, um, say, for example, medicinal cannabis or legally access things that might be more helpful? It's Is it just a fad, a passing fad? You know, like what's, uh, what is the go with terpenes in your experience? Yeah. So for those people um, who don't know what terpenes are, they're aromatic compounds found in most plants. Um, and the, there is a big push on them with regard to cannabis because of the effects of them in combination with the cannabinoids. So different strains um, will have different levels of different terpenes. Um, and the terpenes have been reasonably well studied because you can extract them from many different plants. Um, for instance, limonene comes from lemon. Um, so you don't actually have to get your terpenes necessarily from um, a, a cannabinoid source that comes in many different other other plants. Linen low from from lavender, and of course, you know we know that you know linen low is a sedative 
if you have a for some people and it makes them feel more relaxed um and if you look at the different types of cultivar that are out there for um cannabis plants there is ones which people will say will make them really sleepy versus other ones will make them feel more creative is the probably the two spectrums that we look at there um and they do have different smells different textures um and interestingly enough um we've been experimenting with the terpenes for the last five years um and in isolate form and we had some some mercing there which is one which generally makes people feel pretty sleepy um and so my wife tried some mercine and whew, she was off like a light i tried some mercine not not even sleepy nothing um so again it, it loops back around to you know what's the right dose what's the right particular strain for my condition and it is with each patient always going to be a trial of medicine and it's going to be to see whether they respond because you can do a huge study you can study the whole wide world and find out that 99 percent of people respond to drug x in a positive way but what happens if you're the one percent so start low go slow with every single medicine Ben, how did you get into, just before we wrap up, I'm just interested, as a medical practitioner, what led your interest into this field in the first place? Oh, to be on the right side of history. Um, um, for that, that is the one being the real driving factor for us. Um, you know, we got together as a family creating this business, business and we wanted to provide safe, affordable medicinal cannabis to Australians. And we have been jumping those hurdles ever since. Um, the one thing that really got me going at back in the beginning was, um, uh, unfortunately, my mother passed from a neurodegenerative condition. Um, and uh, soon after she died, I then found uh, a patent by the US government, Department of Health, on cannabis and cannabinoids as neuroprotective agents. And that really, really pissed me off because... The U.S. government knew that it was not killing brain cells like the Reagan administration had told everyone. But in fact, they have a patent that cannabis, cannabinoids, CBD and THC can be neuroprotective agents. Yeah, that must have been pretty hard for you um, having experienced that with your mum. Uh, no one likes to, to see their mother die. Uh, um, it's, um, it's a something that wouldn't never leave my my mind for the rest of my life um but yeah just to to know that the government's been lying to us about well, the governments in general have been lying to us about um aspects of cannabinoid medicine uh, and then to find out that potentially we could have uh, alleviated some of her suffering or even prolonged her life um it's disappointing when you think about these people are paid to look after us well, thank you, Ben, as well, for just being so political in your approach as well. It's clear that you have great interactions with your family and your company, uh, with government, pushing you know hard and fast against anything that's preventing people from accessing you know something like what your mum could have had access to if we'd have had things in place to allow her to have that and to have that knowledge. So clearly, that's an area that you're very passionate about as well. Um, what's the latest updates in, I guess, you know, medicinal cannabis? Where are we at, and uh, where is it going? Um, it's there's a, a 
a lot of patients that are now transitioning from the the um, the what we either call the the black market or the green market, or I just say patient sourced um, oh, across, yep. <laughs> the, across to the the lawful um, uh, prescribed medicinal cannabis. Um, and that's, I still get people who who say, "Well, uh, is this legal?" Uh, you know, um, like we're five years down the track. You know, actually, I'm a qualified as a doctor. In fact, if I prescribe you something illegal, they can take my license. So we have to do this all by the book. Yeah. Um, they, they're worried that I'm going to, grandma's going to turn up. I'm going to roll a joint and hand it to her. And, and gra- then granny's going to be on the canny. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's not like that. Uh, our average patient is 52 year old white female um, with chronic pain, uh, usually inflammatory type pain, either, either arthritis or um, endometriosis are pretty common. Um, condition uh, and we have a, a, a good choice of product to choose from in Australia now um, on our list that we have I think we have we're up to 120 on uh, through the CanView website currently um, uh, and so there is a real choice out there for patients all the way from oils to capsules to um, topicals now um, topical CBD is available um, uh, inhaled forms, generally the inhaled forms tend to be for uh, THC and that tends to be for acute sudden pain or spasm or you needing a rapid onset and offset. Um, so there is a real choice out there. Um, and of course, we always say, look, if you're thinking about it, try and be safe. Go for the white market option. Talk to your doctor, talk to a, a, a proper clinic uh, and, and get a lawful um, prescription rather than um, uh get duped into something that isn't actually what it says is on the label coming from the dark market. Um, ben, just out of curiosity, has there been any pushback from pharmaceutical companies in regards to CBD? Yeah, that's one of the targets on me, I think. I've got a target on the front and the back. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah big and far, you can big see big for obvious coming. reasons, right? Um, mm, okay. Yeah. If you compare um, the states and um, what they have seen over there, uh, the states that legalized recreational cannabis uh, with a crossover of medicinal over there, um, they found a 30% reduction in all prescriptions. Wow. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so. mm, interesting. Okay, I, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but just, just out of curiosity because obviously um, that's a conflict of interest for them, isn't it? Um, okay, Ben, is there anything else that you want our audience to know about CBD? Yeah, cannabinoids in general. Is, is Please do, do, uh, do your research. Um, be upskilled in your mind uh, and then help your doctor be upskilled as well uh, and your healthcare care providers because there's still misinformation out there I just last week, I, I came across an old GP who said, oh, I don't believe in that cannabis oil, um, but was willing to pr- provide endone to a constipated 82-year-old. Um, we need to be thoughtful about our patients and what we're, we're prescribing them. And cannabis and cannabinoids are molecules, they're, they're chemical molecules, and we need to just think about them carefully for each individual patient. Okay, that's great. Thank you. And Ben, where can our audience find out more about you and the clinics and your work? Um, first of all, if you're looking for medicinal cannabis information, we always point people towards the Therapeutic Goods Administration, TGA website. They do have um, some information on there and they do have a large um, uh, reference range there. I would say to them, if they are listening, you do need to update that. It's been a couple of years, time's ticking on. Um 
but there is there's a lot of different websites out that you can have a look at um, for terpenes. Have a look at uh, the uh, MCL Labs is a really good one. They've done a lot. They've gathered a lot of the different studies that are out there on terpenes, and terpenes haven't been restricted. So there's a heap of information and studies out there on them. Um, if you would just go to PubMed and search um, for articles on uh, cannabis and cannabis medicine, there's actually over forty thousand now. 40,000 articles. And people keep saying there's not enough research in medicinal cannabis. That's 40,000 articles. How many articles are there on metoprolol, one of the more common blood pressure medications? 2,000. <laughs> How many are there on paracetamol? Oh, around about 15,000. Yeah, not researched. Nah, not, not, not even close. And and some of the bigger... Um, this, is a, this is a daily frustration for us as well, uh, Ben, we understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Have a look at the Canadian guidelines on medicinal cannabis as well. So the Canadian, yeah, the Health Canada have um, guidelines on medicinal cannabis as well, um, and it's it's part of like any medicine. It's going to be part of the overall look of a patient. It's not just one medicine is going to be necessarily something that's going to be the the magic bullet that cures everything. It's not a panacea. It does work on so many different um, body systems and across the body, but it's not a panacea. There, there's going to be other things that you need to do well in your life: eat well, sleep well. Um, be involved with your health practitioners, um, use your other medications for blood pressure. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's um, a helpful group of molecules, but it's not necessarily going to be the one that's going to cure everything for you. That's great. Thank you. And Ben, uh, link to this episode, we'll make sure we put all of the um, the websites and everything to find you and your clinics and um, that, that information for their GPs and those sorts of things too. So uh, Ben, thank you so much for joining us on Wellness Women Radio today. Um, so ladies, you have been listening to Wellness Women Radio. We are the Wellness Women, Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston. We are raising the bar for women's health. And until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.